0: Court Avenue was extremely popular back then. But like going into a, in a
1: building, being
2: able to like feel how much life had been lived in there before. I find that's what's
3: interesting about architecture, is when architecture reflects the time that it was built in and also reflects like a specific set of values. It so was a, a big, huge, gracious apartment. and
4: Great and for um, parties.
5: Yeah, and, and
2: It was really a lot of the experiences that happened here that built a friendship that's lasted really a lifetime.
3: Welcome to the Pasadena Project. Episode 5 Total Freedom.
4: I lived in the basement because that's all I could afford. And uh, I, you know, had the windows open all the time. I walked around naked because I couldn't care. And it was that type of era, 74. Well, for
5: him it was. It wasn't for other people.
4: And then. Um, we moved up to 7a
3: this is giles Bugiliscus and margo foxford they lived in the pasadena in the 1970s and 80s
4: but we were pretty happy mm-hmm. that was the only issue was the fact that it was three floors up when not like two floors up really but anyway. well when microwaves first came out they were size of <laughs> tv sets i mean they were huge and we thought we need a microwave so because I worked at Eaton's We Buy One and get this humongous box and the both of us couldn't carry it up the stairs.
5: We got to the first landing and I I was done. I I didn't have the strength to go anymore, yeah.
4: So we left it overnight and nobody stole it.
3: I spoke with Giles and Margot on a chilly day last November. I met them at the gate to the courtyard at the Pasadena, where they joined me inside their old building for an interview. Hello. Hi. I'm Isaac. Hi,
5: Isaac, I'm Margot. Hi,
3: nice to meet you. You too. Thank He's you so both good. so much for coming. Oh,
4: no, this is like
5: I haven't been back. Evening. There's old 2A, that was his first there. apartment.
3: Oh yeah? And then we were up in 7A. Okay. Uh, you're the second people I've interviewed. Today, who lived in seven A? Ah, oh, no kidding. I'm trying to remember who. It was uh, Martin Krawitz, I believe. Martin. He, oh
5: yeah, he lived with Larry. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, and then.
3: I think he, they lived in that unit. Yes, did they, they live? Did. Okay.
5: Because they used to tell us that we knew Larry, but I didn't really oh, know,
0: yeah. you know Martin. And uh, he said, "Oh, you get such crazy. So we were on the uh, third floor, second from the top, and it was basically the. Uh,
3: so remember him. This is Martin Krawitz. On episode two, he told us about his spacious four-bedroom apartment in unit seven A of the Pasadena, where Giles and Margot lived a few years prior. So
0: you had some great north light as well. Uh, and then at the very end of the hall was an you know, I, the, the older bathroom with, uh, you know, with old tub and, and uh, curtain all around the perimeter of it. And then to your right, you had a nice uh, living room with a non-functional fireplace with a huge mat you
4: know all the original woodwork was there it had a a fireplace mm-hmm. that had a built-in cabinet it
5: had on both sides there were bookcases yeah
4: and just the size because i had a den in one of the rooms and then the sunroom um, when i worked at eaton's we used to um, use a lot of plants in the spring to kind of spruce up the main floor and uh, one year we had orchids throughout the main floor and so I had these leftover 20 orchid plants up in that that sunroom that I was trying to baby but nothing was happening like you know so I kinda gave up but certainly grew a lot of flowers up there because we got a lot of sun.
3: The years that Giles and Margot lived at the Pasadena were a period of great change in the neighborhood. In the early 2000s the city of Winnipeg studied the development of the Cordon village area And here is what that study had to say about the district in the 1970s and 80s.
5: As with many of the city's older districts, the area witnessed a period of decline, due in part to the shift from rail transportation to trucking, reducing operations of one of the area's major employers, the CNR Fort Rouge Rail Shops. Opening of new suburban areas to the south and west helped to draw many families away from this central district with the promise of new homes in new modern communities. Loss in population of over 6,000 residents between 1971 and 1985 had a destabilizing effect on the community. During this period, many of the larger homes were converted to multi-tenant dwellings. Affordable rents and lower than average market values soon gave rise to a change in demographics as younger individuals and first-time homebuyers began to migrate to the area, attracted by the charm and characters of older homes and commercial areas, the canopy of mature trees lining the residential boulevards, and by accessibility of services in the community.
4: Cordon was very different. Um, I think Coliseo was the only Italian restaurant yeah. at that time. It's still there. And it was just grocery stores and uh, shops, but it wasn't a commercial area. Um, you had to go down, like we went grocery shopping to um, Confusion Corner because there was a Loblaws there. Dominion. Dominion. And then we would walk to Osborne Village because that was like where all the trendy interior design shops were. Um, But certainly, so this area was quite popular with students, um, but not, it wasn't kind of the middle-class, like even the homes, you know, had people that were um, young young couples, Um, so it was less trendy an area to be in.
3: It wasn't until the mid-1980s that the neighborhood became known as Winnipeg's Little Italy. More bars, restaurants, and boutique shops began opening along the Cordon Strip, near the Pasadena. And the area became a trendy place for young people to live. Curbside appeal is important. Uh, I I believe I was either walking.
0: uh, Cordon Avenue was extremely popular back then. And I was either walking or cycling and I saw a sign on the fence in front of the courtyard that said four bedroom for rent and there are not a lot of four bedrooms for rent in this area, so out of curiosity, I arranged a tour and liked what I saw. In fact, I leased it up immediately, uh, even though I still had another lease in place, <laughs> and ended up staying about 10 years. I would say that, that in general, of course, you don't know all your neighbors, but on occasion, you'd be invited to a party and you'd you know, reciprocate, and,
3: and so it's just a, a really nice uh, mix of people. One of those people was Teresa Rogers, who lived in the Pasadena with her roommates Heather and Yvonne in the 1990s. People
2: we knew the best were Martin and Laird, but one of the things that I remember where we all collectively came together was around Halloween. So every Halloween we'd set up a table in the courtyard with a pumpkin and candy. And at the time, I guess we just opened the gate We didn't worry about people coming through the gate other than we wanted to have candy for trick-or-treaters. And I remember that was quite fun. And there were a couple of courtyard parties. So we did have a couple of courtyard parties where we socialized together. But um, yeah, I would say mostly it was Martin and Laird and we did dinners back and forth together. And um, yeah, just really appreciated the two of them.
0: I should say the building itself uh, caught my eye as well, having worked on historic buildings in terms of uh, renovating them. And, and so you can see there's a lot of uh, TLC that uh, went into the, the building and also the design, and it, uh, it was a fabulous place to live.
4: Well, I didn't think too much. I, like I didn't even think about what style it was or, you know, like that was I was looking for a place that was nice to live in and it had a bathtub that could fit three people in.
5: <laughs> well, I don't know. We never tried it. But <laughs> two
4: fit. I mean, that was, you know, we're still talking about this bathtub that we had in the, yeah. in the bathroom. They that were fabulous. It was like a boat.
2: And I remember the bathroom was just this massive old tub. and. Um, we lived with it for a while (laughs) trying to figure out you know how three women who are working on masters papers and working you know i was teaching at the time and i can remember getting ready and filling the bathtub up and then Having to get ready by sinking under the water, and you know, trying to figure out how to wash my hair in this water, and it was like we all just really craved a shower. But I also remember Whitney Houston sang "The Bodyguard," and it was a movie, and um, I remember a breakup, and just like laying in that bathtub listening to Whitney Houston and sinking under the water, and it was like, oh my gosh. The bathtub actually, yeah, pretty memorable. We had lots of parties. A lot of our friends remember we were called the Mini Pops because we were all around five feet tall, except for one friend who was very tall and uh, it was called Liz and the Mini Pops, and we would, yeah, we would have lots of dinner parties, lots of, we had, you know, New Year's parties. Everybody knew our place because it was, you know, it's very central. Um, And, you know, we would often use it as a launch pad to go other places, so people would gather at our place and then go somewhere, like the Sugar Reef was an incredible restaurant that was just around the corner from the Mini Mart. So the, the grocery on the corner was the Mini Mart, and that's where we went for sandwiches and cigarettes. So we're, none of us are smokers anymore, but at the time we all smoked De Maurier's Special Mile whenever we were writing our thesis.
5: By the early to 1970s, many young people began to move to the area, attracted by its central location, affordable rents, and a variety of living arrangements, including co-housing and co-ops, made possible by the spacious homes and apartments in the area. This youthful population gave rise to a creative and entrepreneurial spirit. Soon, shops geared towards a young, hip generation emerged and the birth of Little Italy brought a vibrancy to the street that had attracted visitors and customers from other areas to enjoy the offering of gelato, pizza, sports bars, and specialty shops unique to the area. You know,
2: it was just, it was a fun place. Like we just, we were such a great group of friends and close and the building just lent itself to socializing. Um, it was, it had a feeling of being really warm and connected and safe and supportive. Um, and we laughed a lot. Like we laughed a lot in this building. Um, you know, we had turtles, Calvin and Hobbes, and we used to have turtle races down the corridor. And, you know, we would watch as different people would pull up on, from the street on the, win- we'd look down from the window and especially when one of our friends was kind of, you know, wanting to date somebody and we'd check guys out from the top floor. <laughs> we had a Sonoma man and we had the MTS guy and we were just like silly, we were so silly. But it was, you know, the architecture just felt safe and it felt comfortable and, you know, it felt like a place where, um Relationship was important and community was valued. And look like we are all friends to this day. We are all friends to this day. We've raised our children together, we've raised them as cousins. Um, I think that came about during our experience of living here.
3: Have you like been back inside the building at all since you moved away? Is this the first time? This is the
2: first time and the first thing that I noticed is it still smells the same. Like, there's an odour that is a nice odour, but it is a building that the scent is still the same. The warmth is still the same, like it still feels warm, like it's a warm, cosy building. And there's an odour that is, that's, that's this building's smell. And it's, yeah, it's
1: kind of cool, actually. So you. see you, too, I
5: know,
1: it's been a long time. <laughs> Years ago. No, 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 no. yeah. Oh, my God, yeah.
3: Teresa and her roommates weren't the only ones who forged important friendships in the Pasadena. Last November, I also met up with Chilip and Patricia Scholes. They also lived in the building for a couple years in the mid-1990s, along with another roommate, an architect named Sebastian. Yeah,
1: And you were an actress? I was an actress. I was at the very beginning of my career. Yeah. And I was, I was going back to school for English and theatre. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I just yes. finished, I was working as a writer and a researcher for a few years, and then, yeah, going back to school. And um, it and was like a little family, passion, family actually. actually. I, I had my bachelor of commerce. commerce. <laughs> actually, yeah, but yeah, it was, it was really like a little family kind of moving in. Like the first night we moved in, didn't we all like, we had one bed or something and we all said, well, I, I just remember <laughs> that know. it was kind of like, it was just like a little, like, like a little family. Yeah, like it was I just, don't remember. I, your friends all came over to help move in and yes, It was yeah. just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we had a, we had made a pact. <laughs> right. at The beginning that there weren't going to be any relationship. relationship. Right, relationships. Yes, yes. yes. yeah. Because <laughs> Sebastian was quite the charmer. <laughs> he was, he was.
3: From the first time I spoke with Sheila and Patty, they both told me that their time at the Pasadena was a transformative period in their lives.
1: Well, it was like uh, total freedom yes. because we had zero responsibility. We had the tiniest <laughs> of rent, and groceries were so inexpensive. A bag or two of groceries was like thirty dollars, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So I mean, we could we could um, we could make our living minimally. We worked hardly at all, and we did we did yoga for a good couple of hours every day. We talked about everything under the sun. It was a total morning therapy session. Every morning. Every morning. And uh, we made beautiful meals. We would... we It was a very playful kind of... You know, like we would visit Sebastian with little picnic lunch and things like that. Like it was totally... I remember people used to say like, you guys are like friends. But we didn't have a TV. Like we didn't didn't even... I didn't even know know what that was. We're like, yes, we're all friends. (laughs) But, um, But yeah, it was total freedom and... Both of us were trying to really figure out how we could live in the world, how you could make a living as a as a gentle, creative, soulful person. Um, and and like I remember, I think I was on unemployment. Yes, yeah.
5: And I remember we had this idea
1: that. because that that was our sunroom right there. We had this idea of um, doing a theater piece in the courtyard and having oh, the the yes, audience members yes. like up in the up in the in the right. sunrooms. Um, Yeah, we we used to think, yeah, a lot of old stuff like that. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was a a couple that would make out in their sunroom. And and I would watch them. (laughs) I'm just saying. I mean, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, because you didn't. didn't. But I was so (laughs) interested because they seemed to have this such a beautiful, mature love. And they would be having their coffee and they would be sitting in each other's laps. And it wasn't too great. It wasn't, like, all detailed. But it was just, to me, it was very, like, I would love a love like that. You know, it was just very mature and very... (laughs) I'm just
5: saying. I mean... No, it's great.
3: Although it wasn't Teresa who Patty was watching in their sunroom, Teresa and her roommates did find love in the Pasadena. Uh,
2: Heather met Dan, first of all, and she moved out, and then it was just Yvonne and I for a while. And then um, a guy that I'd been hearing about for about four years, he... um, he would be being a chef overseas while I was here and then he'd come back from being a chef and I would go to South America to study Spanish and for four years I heard about him all in this building and um, one day there was a knock on the door after about four years of hearing from him and I was working on a coursework and I remember You know, I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's him. Uh, Because my hair was all over the place. I had a pen behind my ear. uh, You know, and I was wearing shorts and I just answered the door and it was Jason. For the first time, he had come back from Israel and I was here and we saw each other for two, three weeks before I went off to Mexico. Um, But in those two to three weeks, Um, Yeah, we fell in love and when I got back from Mexico shortly after that, he and I moved in together and we're married and we have two children Mm. and it was the front of the door, you know, it was just right there and I remember seeing him and that moment of kind of meeting the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Mm.
3: That was episode 5 of The Pasadena Project. Thank you for listening. The theme music for The Pasadena Project is by Bougie Belgique. And on this episode, you also heard music by Lee Rosevere, Gillicuddy, Florian Dekros, and Chad Crouch. You can find a link to all the music in the show notes. There's also a link to our website, www.pasadenaproject.com where you can watch a video featuring some of the voices you heard on this episode. Thanks to my mom, Kirsten Wurman, for reading aloud some excerpts from texts on this episode. On the next episode, our final episode, we'll talk about what the Pasadena is like today and the impact the building has had on its tenants. The Pasadena Project is supported by the Winnipeg Architecture Foundation with funding from Winnipeg Planning, Property and Development, Manitoba Sport, Culture and Heritage, and the Winnipeg Arts Council. The Pasadena Project is produced on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji-Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, in the homeland of the Métis Nation.